Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. I'm Jeff Meyer, your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach. My goal with this podcast is to help you identify and clarify your own dream by taking wisdom from others' successes and challenges. If you're looking to take action on your dream, to make a difference doing something you love, but your fears are holding you back, then this podcast is for you. If you're interested in finding additional support, you can also check out my Dream Accelerator coaching program designed to help realize your full potential and reshape your future. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator program at jeffmeyer.org. Using my Dream Accelerating formula, heart-centered entrepreneurs can focus on their dream, name their fears, change their mindset, define their next, and move forward anyway. Well, welcome back, fellow successful dreamers. We are excited to have you join us again today on the podcast, Move Forward Anyway. Thanks for being here and taking the time to listen in on two friends having a conversation. I am so excited to have Debbie Tyke with me uh, from Indiana today. Debbie, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners? Well, um, uh, Jeff said I could do whatever I wanted. And I'm going to say, first of all, I am a friend of Jeff Myers. Oh, that? there we go. <laughs> and, and really, I might be um, a friend of Amy Myers. And then I, and then I met Jeff. I'm not really yes. sure. So, yes. um, so we've been friends for a while. And then in conversation with Amy, we got to talking about this podcast. And so that's kind of how we're connected today. And I'm really glad to be here and really appreciate you as a friend and as a, you know, a thinking, um, a, a really uh, thoughtful, uh, bright uh, man of God, you know, and I appreciate mm. both of you for that. And so I'm really happy to be here today, even though I don't have a lot of experience on the podcasting, I think because you're my friend, it's making me, I think hopefully it's, I'm a little more relaxed. I mean, audience, I feel like when I listen to myself, it's kind of squealing and I go fast. So I'm going to try to. <laughs> you have so here. much, you have so much passion you have so much compassion and energy for what you're doing. I am so grateful to hear your voice and to see you again. It's been too long since Thank Mark you. and Debbie and Jeff and Amy got together. So I appreciate the work you've been doing. Why don't you Thank share you. a little bit about um, the genesis or the spark of that led you to this art of invitation that you are up to and been up to for a number of years. Yes. Where did it start? How did it begin? Well, um, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training, and um, I'm also married to a minister, a pastor. And um, so, you know, I have the intersection probably of my training and my life experience in that. And, and I grew up in the church. Um, you know, I feel like I've had this rich history of a lot of um, relationships. I kind of feel like um, I can make friends with almost anyone. I don't know if that's true. There's maybe those of you that are out there listening to say that's not true, but I feel like it is. And um, so 
my husband and I were having a conversation on the screened in porch. Uh, one day we have a screened in porch. We were just sitting there and I said, you know, I feel like I know something about relationships. I was running um, a support group at that time for single parents. It was a very kind of hard group at that time. I think in the church there were there are not a lot of support groups for single parents over the course of the time. I believe it touched about a hundred families. I mean, that's, that's pretty significant. I, 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 I'm a, a student. And so I, at the end of my time, I kind of went back just to see what the, um, you know, I kind of looked at the data, you know, what was the impact of this ministry? I kind of wanted to know just for myself, really, what was the impact? And I believe there was like a hundred families that were affected. And even today, because that's been a long time, those particular individuals and their families, I run into them and that ministry itself had had a significance. And so there was something about that. There was something about the trust and the safety that I felt like I kind of knew, but I wasn't sure. Well, at the same time, Mark said, why don't you talk to this guy who was doing um, some work with a seminary? He said, why don't you talk to him about your idea? So we were at a church conference and we were in line and he said, um, you know, can you write your thoughts down? And I tell you, I thought, oh, not really. I mean, that's like chasing the wind. I thought, write my thoughts down. You want me to, you want me to write my thoughts down? And um, so, but but I just felt like there was a challenge there. There was kind of a my term invitation there. And so I went home and I concentrated on that and I sent off my thoughts. And he then sent them to the uh, seminary president at that time who was overseeing his project at a um you know, it's a, it's a male seminary. And, and I think, you know, it's not often that they might have female, you know, contributors to the work. And so, um, so the weird thing is like there, I got an email back that said, we're moving forward. Like he wants to do a pilot project on this paper. And I was beside myself. So the Genesis came from a conversation. It was something I had in my head. It came from the fruit of my life experience and my work and an observation and just a question. What is it that I think I know? Is it something that I can capture? Is it something that I can share? Is it reproducible? And so yeah. that's really where it started from. It was, it was a searching, it was just a question. And then when there was a validation of the basics of the idea, it was just a very small uh, synopsis of the ideas. When there was a validation from a seminary president saying, let's, you know, I'd like for this to be developed a little bit. That was kind of the invitation for me to dig in deeper. And then it kind of went from there. Dreams often start with a recognition of, or a question like you said, what, what can I add? What, what do I know about that would have an opportunity to be reproducible? There's also, uh, in working with dreamers, <clears throat> entrepreneurs, there's a, a sense of, there's a gap, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And I know I can, what I have, what, what I'm thinking about fills mm-hmm. a gap. It builds a bridge. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it solves a problem. Yes. So what is the problem that the art of invitation solves? 
So let's go back to those early stages. Like where was the connection there? Because in the early stages, what I found was a, a ministry to a single parent population was rare and hard to do. Um, because in many ways, that group of people were outsiders to the culture. I mean, what a lot of church people don't realize is that church caters to married people and couples and families. And so many single people survey the landscape and they see these families intact going up to communion, sitting together. And they're just like, well, I don't, you know, I feel odd because we live in a society of couples. And so, I felt like there was this missing piece of helping outsiders feel like insiders within church culture. And that was really the genesis, the problem in the mm. initial stages that I wanted to try to solve. And I did a study um, with a, a man of our church helped me do this study. And I interviewed um, 10 what potential outsiders about why it was that they, um, you know, or not, why did you feel like an outsider? You know, what, how did they feel and can, in uh, relation to the church and the outsider um, uh, feeling was captured by that the church often caters to those people who are self-initiating and that if you're a self-initiator and you're willing to stay connected and involved and learn insider culture, then you're probably going to find a fit. But if you are not self-initiating, you have some burden. I mean, it could be grief. There are so many people that like were insiders for a long time and then they have some tragic life event you know, you know this well, and then all of a sudden they feel outside. I've done um, church retreats with church leaders. Uh, uh, and it's really interesting because I'll ask the staff. Um, so how many of you, you're all insiders, you're on staff. How many of you here feel, have felt like an outsider at some time here? And hundred percent of the people raise their hands because an insider outsider feeling is natural and normal. We all have it. We all feel like an outsider at times. We all feel like an insider at times. We want to feel this sense of belonging, connection, and mattering. And when we don't have this sense of belonging, connection, and mattering, then that's something within us. So the art of invitation will help a person with self-awareness to figure out what is that going on inside of me that creates this barrier with another person. But it could also be something within the environment. Because if the environment does not create the vehicle or the acceptance for the outsider to have um, kind of a, a equal status, so to speak, it's not that we are all equal, right? So we're not uniform, like we all have to be the same, but unity is the, is the goal that we can all fit that we all have a place, that at the communion table, everybody not only can, you know, be present together, but we want to be, and we feel a sense of togetherness. So, so that was really the initial burden problem that I was hoping to solve. What's ended up happening is I ended up doing a study with Indiana Wesleyan. Um, I partnered with Katie Sneed up there. She's the director of the social work program. And it was a small exploratory study, but I wanted to know as a social worker, is there something to this? Like you can't, you know, you're not supposed to make stuff up. You know, <laughs> you're not supposed to go, well, I'm a dreamer 
where I'm going to make up this relationship building approach. It's it's not supposed to go like that. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, you know, what, let's kind of study this a little bit, at least an exploratory study. And one of the findings was that the, um, that the application of the art of invitation has kind of a universal application. And I think that's because people are people, you know, we Mm -hmm. all have these insider outsider feelings. We all have this need to belong, connect and matter. I mean, that's part of like the um, attachment theory, the, the people that know that when you're born, that like how you have significance is, is from your early roots. And then, you know, and, and how do we stay connected? So it's, you know, in churches, most of the arguments, most of the uh, conflict is not over theology. It's over so many other things. Mm. And yet we are so passionate. So that was really where it started. But as it's turned out, you know, it's met a need for people that are recovering um, from addiction. I've um, piloted for 12 years in a um, uh, treatment program at our community corrections facility with women who are recovering from um, methamphetamine and heroin and, and pretty some pretty significant substance use disorders. And these are people that really intentionally need to build new relationships. So I have um, shared my work there for a long time. And I just, I, you know, COVID lifting, I'm just now I'm getting to go back. And um, so that is also, um, you know, a student from Indiana Wesleyan um, used the material with a uh, with a group up in Marion, Indiana, and he said it went really well. So I, you know, so I don't have a long track record with it, but I think if there are people that are looking for how it is that I can develop new relationships, how can I have some distance from some painful relationships? How can I mend some relationships? How do I build enduring, satisfying relationships and connected community? as an insider or an outsider. That's the problem I wanted to solve. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a needed, needed solution in our world and continues to be for forever. So you've got a good niche in here to uh, to do your work. I, I really appreciate it. As you have done this, as you started thinking about this on the screened in porch, yeah. talking with Mark, and you started putting out feelers uh talk to me about what happened for you um what happened inside you as you started to venture out i mean just the just beginning with writing your thoughts down what were some (laughs) of the fears or the obstacles internally that you were wrestling with and then to not only just write them down but to send them to an all-male seminary (laughs) <laughs> My goodness, the courage you showed from your first step is absolutely amazing. Um, what what did you wrestle with as you did that? Um, you know, I I wrestled with um, the excitement of the possibility, and then the insecurity of my own self. You know, I um, I I wrestle a lot of times with a lot of insecurity because. I think, well, this surely can't be, you know, this surely can't be. And so, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of odd in that that won't stop me. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like, I'm super insecure, but that is not going to stop me. So I have this way of being able to move through the insecurity 
um, to the next thing. I can tell you that, you know, what were all those feelings? I mean, I had um, self-doubt and, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I just, I knew what I knew. So all I knew was if God gave me this vision and this open door, that I would just walk through it until I couldn't walk through it anymore. Mm. I mean, if, if it came to the end, I was kind of okay with that. Cause I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to follow this and see where it goes and to the best of my ability. And then if it, you know, if it stops, because I don't think that, you know, this is part of art of invitation. So if you're trying to, um, you know, communicate, because really this is a communication, right? I'm communicating with people about communicating. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so if you are wanting to present your information, share an idea or confront, which is just a difference of opinion. But if you want to present and confront without a context of a trusting relationship, like that the other person thinks that they're interested or that they're, you know, there's some level of relationship, it's just not going to go anywhere. Right. So if, so if I, I mean, I might've, this is first Corinthians 13. If I had all the knowledge and all the wisdom and I had all these things, but I didn't have the sense of caring about the people that I was working with or being interested in like what they thought or was this helpful or, you know, how does in, in all of that, then I think it would have been empty. So I was really okay with that. I, I wasn't, I mean, I remember when we did the study and I thought, man, I wonder if the study results are going to be bad, that people are going to say, this is not all that helpful. I mean, that was kind of a big deal. I'd put all this energy into it. And no. then, you know, you're going to have the study. And I'm like, what if the results don't come out great? And I said, well, then so be it. And how did they come out? They went, they came out well. So, you know, yeah, I mean, 95% of what we worry about doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I love what you said that um, I, I felt all this stuff. I feel the insecurity, but I move forward anyway. And I just kept saying, I'm going to walk through the door uh, until the door doesn't allow me to walk through anymore. And you've just had one opportunity door open after another in this process, which is affirming to the fact that God did give this to you. Um, I think the other thing we talk about um, in the Dream Accelerator, when people start um, maybe giving in to fear, they give in to their self-doubt, I try to encourage them to, to go back and think about their who. You know, think about, think about the people that you initially thought about helping mm -hmm. and, and build, some, build some characters there, um, some avatars, if you will, or real people, real case studies of people you've helped, like mm -hmm. the hundred families you helped that the hundred households that were represented in that study that you did. Um, think about your who, and that will get you back in the game. That will be the motivator. Um, not even the what you're doing is motivation as much as the who is a motivator. So who are the who are the motivators for you? Who are the people that you think about mm. when you're ready to quit or you're saying, okay, I can't do this anymore? Yeah. Who so, is your who that doesn't let you quit? Yeah, I mean, I think the who's are are 
so many of the people I've had conversation with over the years, you know, I go back to that and I, and really because I've had so much, you know, I piloted this for so long now, um, the who's became now the people that tell me like that their life is better because of learning some of these concepts and tools. And really it's a way of, it's really a way of looking at it. I mean, my work is an intersection of science, but it's really a spiritual practice. So that's what, that's what makes my work, I think, somewhat unique. I mean, there's so many self-help books and so many relationship books, and there's so many Bible studies. I don't know. There may be out there. I don't know of anybody else that has synthesized the science with the um, spiritual practices that are primarily Judeo-Christian, you know, uh, like the, um, uh, the second greatest command. So many people talk about love your neighbor yourself, but how do they interweave? Like, what does that look like in communication style? Mm-hmm. How does that get lived out in communication style, especially when you're emotionally dysregulated and you're ready to knock somebody's block off? Then what? I mean, that happens. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Happens with me, you know? <laughs> I'm the author of the material, but I get to learn it every day. There you do. You no, know, I'm not always great at it. And um, so, in, in like the second thought, you know, that's a spiritual practice you know, pray without ceasing. Nobody's going to sit around and pray every day. I mean, maybe monks, but they have to eat and walk around too. And so, you know, we're, we're doing a podcast. Are we praying without ceasing? Well, see, I think that when you use the second thought, when you stop and think about God's will and his way as in terms of relationship, you know, your first impulse to knock somebody's block off might be tapered a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you just learn a little bit over time how to embrace these ideas. And it, I mean, it kind of changes. It changes you, it changes others, it changes the environment. Um, it's not always a quick fix, but it's a satisfying fix. You know, it's satisfying. Yeah. Because it connects us and help, helps us be truly human. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And um, I don't think that any of the things that are in Art of Invitation are particularly like rocket science or brilliant, but I do think that they're super practical and things that people can embrace and incorporate into their lives in their everyday journey. And so that those are the who's, you know, it's the people that have told me about like how this particular concept helped them or whatever. And um you know, so there's a lot of who's out there that I would love to be able to share my work with. And so thank you for letting me be on your podcast, because maybe there's somebody out there that might be right. interested. And, you know, so when you go back to what are some of my fears, I mean, man, you know, technology today, the, this is a new world of sharing, right? Yeah. And in yeah. all this COVID, you know, and you can't always have conversations like the, uh, uh, ways that we might've done it even five years ago. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of new ways to figure out how you share what it is that you're doing. And so that's a fear, you know, am I going to be able to do this? But again, it's like, well, I don't really have to worry about that today. So I'm not going to worry about that today. Yeah. You will be given what you need when you need it. And that's what I found in this thing, you know, there was one time I remember That's a great lesson, isn't it? For a dream pursuer is a lot of times when I'm working with the dream accelerator clients, they're, they're, they're thinking about the ultimate 
and wanting right. all of that to happen. And they're, so they stress out about right. it. And I, I try to get them to just think about the next step. Right. Like just what's the next today. step? This will take care of itself, but it'll, we'll never get here if you don't start moving. So right. start moving with the next step and then you will be given what you need. Right. When you need it. And really that encouragement, really, Jeff, that you're saying the encouragement, like, because sometimes you're in your own head, you know, when you talk oh. about fears, you're in your own head too much. So if you can get with someone who can encourage you or to give you a balanced perspective, that's really valuable. What you're doing is really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And so is what you're doing. Um, I want to, I want to circle back because you talk, you talk about the, the problem you're solving is giving tools to insiders and outsiders right. to help them connect in more meaningful, healthy ways. I have tried, and this is where I feel like a fish out of water. I've said this to my dad, who's a preacher, ever since I was ordained in the ministry. I said, I just feel like I'm a fish out of water. Uh, I don't belong here. I, I feel like an outsider in this particular denomination. Mm-hmm. And in our training that we did uh, called missional leader, we actually use the phrase in our training that we need to, as, as followers of Jesus in the world, we need to choose to be outsiders. Mm, yeah. And so I, I, I'm not negating what you're saying, am I? I I'm, what I'm saying by that is we have to, we have to take off that insider position that we think we have right and we need to meet someone where they are at right so i would say that um that i i understand what you're saying and i think what you're saying the need of it we're probably on semantics of terms right because um because if i want to join an engineering group at my local business you know, we, we live in Columbus, Cummins is big. If I say, Hey, I want to join this engineering group over there. I'm probably not going to get in. I'm not an engineer. I don't work for Cummins. It's not my thing. Right. And that's normal for me to feel like an outsider. I don't think whether you're the ordained pastor, I mean, this is my bias. I don't think whether they're ordained pastor or parishioner that anybody should feel like an outsider in the church, because this is also really interesting. Okay. So what makes a person an insider? What makes a person an insider? It is the love of God that makes us the insider. It's always the love of God, whether we're the outsider to culture or the insider. But I think what you're talking about is the suffering, see the suffering that we, that we have sometimes in being an outsider. Sometimes when we feel outside or we don't feel in the loop or we're not in the place of privilege, there's a suffering there. Right. And what I'm saying is, as people who are followers of Jesus, who have been loved by God, we should we should have a better uh, capacity to engage <laughs> to engage the person who thinks they're an outsider. Yeah. And engage them where they're at, listen well, yeah, love well. Um, instead, we wait for them to come in. We wait and they, and right. they don't want to come in. And I'm trying to move everybody outside to engage a world that is needing what God has to offer. But we're all comfortable in our little bubble. We use our own language. We, we think as an insider, we think we control the narrative. 
And when someone yeah. else speaks a different opinion than our narrative, we get all up in arms and we, we tend to protect what is ours right. instead of permeating, right. permeating the, the relationships and the neighborhoods and the culture where we live. Well, and I, I think that's really, um, really true. I think that the essence of my work is probably not as much um, like diagnosing as much as um, just becoming more self-aware of ourselves and of others. And it naturally then happens. Yeah, It kind of naturally happens. We don't have to have this like game plan about how we approach the outside world, whether we're outsiders. I mean, it is important to have a sense of when I feel like an outsider or an insider. And as I shared with you before, we're getting, we're moving into my husband and I into a transitional time of life where yeah. things are changing for us. And I know, I just know, cause I know myself, I know the environment, there's going to be a lot of outsider experiences that I'm going to have. Yes. And I'm a true insider. It's so interesting. You know, when you're married to a pastor, people just are sure that you're an insider, but I mean, there's, I mean, ask, look at studies of pastor's wives and talk to them. There's so many times that we feel on the outside or pressured or urgency. What I really believe is the strength of what I've discovered is kind of that matters as it helps us or doesn't help us connect to others. But at the end of the day, it's it's more about what naturally is in front of us and how we move into what we believe to be true. So what you're talking about um, is it's really important that we engage with everybody, insiders yeah. and outsiders. It's important that we engage with everybody. Let's not play favorites with the insiders. Mm. And where are we inside? See, let's not play favorites with the insiders. Let's figure out how we can be um, uh, how we can be sensitive to what an outsider experience might be. And honestly, we all have a clouded vision. So the Bible says what? That we see with dimly lit glasses. Dimly lit, and that. see, this is the thing I think, you know, like um, we just, we, we don't know what the outsider feels because people don't even know I feel like an outsider, <laughs> you know? And there's no way to know who's feeling comfortable and connected. There's no way to know. but. Yeah. How do we, how do we sense how to care for one another? Well, we pay attention to who's there and who isn't. And if they're not there, why aren't they there? Is there some mm -hmm. reason for that? Do we want to have a conversation? Do we care? Mm -hmm. There was one woman, you talk about the who, there was one woman that used to come to my group and um, gosh, you know, like these can cause me to cry. <laughs> I was like getting teary yeah. before, but she passed away last year and um she didn't, she didn't have a safe place, hardly anywhere in the church. She always felt like the lower class citizen, but she loved coming to this one group. She just loved there and she, she felt safe there and connected. And so it didn't matter that she didn't feel great with the whole church. She felt safe there. And if she talked about our church, she always talked about it in the most positive way. Yeah, she always talked about it there. And I miss her so much because mm -hmm. she kind of died in a sad way, you know, because she was that who she she was somebody that was a who for me, somebody I knew yeah. that I could live out what I knew, you know. And so like last week, you know, getting back at the 
at the community corrections, we only had one, but man, it was awesome. The one we've had 12 or 15 sometimes was the one. Is that enough for me? Am I going to be successful? Am I going to, you know, I say, Debbie, you're not Brene Brown. You know, she's a social worker. who's hot out there. You're not Brene Brown. (laughs) And I, and that's okay. Oh, Brene, if you're listening to this, you're awesome. But uh, appreciate you, Brene. Right. But I mean, like, that's not my calling. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But I'm here for where my calling is. And I believe so much that we all can feel connection. You know, I just have this passion that the church can actually be a place where we like each other. Wow. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) (laughs) You're blowing my mind. Yes, let's work for that. That's a worthy, <laughs> that's a worthy dream. Right. And we do a lot of times, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, it's a great space. It's a, it's a, it's a, the the church is the vehicle to change the world. Yeah. Jesus said, This is how you will people will know that you belong to me by right. how much you love one another. By how much I you think, love one another. That's right. Um so, so we, we have, have to people be in- like we have people like Debbie Tyke along the way that have discovered some things that will help us love each other a little better and well, not my, just love each other in the insider, yeah. but love each other, whoever the, the other is that we're right. engaging with at the moment. And, you know, I guess I just want to say that, um, that the, uh, wait a minute, I had a really brilliant thought. Now I can't, I lost it. Okay, wait. Go on, move on, because it's gone. <laughs> it just went right by. Nuts. We missed it. Maybe it'll come back. All right. Um, so you you're a bulldog. I mean, you when you get when you latch on to something, you are not gonna let go. You're gonna keep going, even though you feel insecure. That's I your determination is inspiring to me. Well, thank you. You just keep keep going. is that just a is that just a personality thing for you so if someone's listening here and they go well I'm not like that I I so how do you who surrounds you where do you go to get the boost or the courage to keep walking through those open doors um you know, it's kind of a mystery to me, honestly. Um, I don't have a really great answer to that other than I would say that um, if you look at the forward to my book, there's about 25 people. I don't, I, I'm not afraid to ask for help. So mm. if I ask for help from someone or I ask a question, I mean, this is part of being invitational, I think, is um, being able to receive as well as give. And like, sometimes you don't want to show your insecurity. And I mean, I don't like to do that. It's so in my circles, I'm a licensed clinical social worker when I'm in professional circles with my peers in that, and I have to say what I'm doing, it's really humiliating because I'm like, well, I'm not working for this place and I don't have this great position and I, this and that. And so I've had to humbly say, I'm working on this relationship building approach that is an intersection of science and spirituality. And I believe in it. And I'm pretty sure I've been piling it for a long time that I know I have something, but it found sounds very counterculture. And it actually, it is very counterculture. Yeah. And so, and if I'm in church circles, most of my church circles are um, male and they, in our circles, 
they're, you know, synodically trained. And so, you know, I can kind of be a little bit of an outsider there too. So, so, but I'm not afraid to ask for help and I'm not afraid to be, and I'm not afraid to be transparent and honest about what it is and what it isn't. I'm, you know, like if I have a default, it's talking too much. Can you tell audience? I was afraid of that. I was like, slow it down, Debbie, and don't talk too much. No, you're doing so, good. Anyway, um, you know, so I, I, I'm not afraid of that. That's helped me a lot. And, you know, I really have a great husband that, I mean, not everybody has that, but if you don't have a, if you don't have someone, but I have to tell you, Mark and I have not always been on the same, the same page because this was so counter culture in a way. And he lives in the environment, in the culture, you know, in the church culture. So, so it's, you know, so it's been one of these things that like, you know, you wonder, because sometimes there's an investment, you know, it's like the income isn't what you want at a certain time, or, you know, the travel or the income, you know, I mean, there's, there's a cost to doing this, there was a cost to developing it. And, um, and we had to talk about that over time, you know, because I've been developing this for quite a while. And so, but I can say right now that, um, I'm kind of excited. I mean, I would like for us to be able to do like ministry retreats because I just think there's so much need in ministry couples for like an authentic conversation about relationship, authentic sharing about relationship. And we did this, we went to a, a conference shortly before moving to Indiana years ago. And it was one of the best things we did. And, um, so, I mean, there's potential. I, he tells me he's not committing to anything. So, you know. Yeah, but maybe that'll be part of the transition. Maybe. Um, maybe, no. maybe not. Yeah. Um, hold on loosely to exactly how that turns out, but right. keep walking through those open doors. I yeah, want to so, ask you, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just going to say, well, like, how do I do that? It is a little bit of personality. My parents are like this. So I had... Um, you know, I had some examples of people that were, that carved out from nothing. Um, you know, that's kind of the way my parents are. They have the ability to just kind of carve out from, you know, some people follow a pattern. They want to read a book to follow a pattern. I really don't need to do that. I, that isn't part of who I am. So not everybody's going to have that, but I think that, um, you know, but this calling of God, you know, everybody's got a calling of God. Everybody has a calling of God. And so whatever, whether they recognize it or not. Yeah. So whoever your listeners are today, whoever you are out there, what your calling is that you have been called by, you will be equipped by. And, you know, uh, obviously I like my material, but, you know, in my material, you know, there's this like, seeking to understand, sharing openly and honestly, caring and receiving care. You got to find the balance of that because if you are, you know, if you're like all in your own head with your own ideas, you're not really seeking to understand what it is that people are looking for. And if you're sharing openly and honestly, without the context of the relationship is probably not going to go anywhere. And if you are trying to give of yourself without understanding your capacity, you're going to get dissipated. And if you are receiving too much and it's costing people too much and they don't want to hear your ask, then that's going to be a closed door. So it's a balance. Yeah. 
So we have uh, in our audience people that are thinking about their own ideas, they're thinking yeah. about their own dream, and they're reticent, they're scared, they're wondering, they're having insecurity issues. Um, what would you say to them today? I would say that you're a whole person with all those insecurities, that insecurities are part of the human journey and that that does not make you a bad person and try not to think in your head, I'm a good person or a bad person. I'm a good business person. or I'm a bad person. Try to get that good, bad, right, wrong out of your head. That's so hard to do. We're always judging ourselves and we're always comparing ourselves against other people. Try really hard not to compare yourself to whatever standard that is out there, but look for that invitation to fulfill what it is that you're called to do and figure out what you need to get that accomplished and try to give yourself grace to understand that, you know, you're a human being with human needs and, um, and so are the people around you. And how is it that you can get to know yourself better to be able to know where your strengths are and where your weaknesses lie? And then you work on the weaknesses and you move from the strengths and you join with others who have the same things and you're going to make it. I love it. I love it. I talk about in my book uh, that fear not is let, it's not so much a command. I always used to think mm -hmm. it was a command. Yeah, um, that, that God says, fear not. But then I, <laughs> yeah. when I writing the book, I, I discovered, I dove deep into that. And every time God says, fear not, it's attached to a promise. Mm. Fear not. I am with you. Fear not. Mm. You know, you're not alone. Fear not. Um, I am your God, whatever the promise is. I um, love that. And so I love the art of invitation because fear is a natural part of the entrepreneurial process and the dream pursuit. And when he says, fear not, he's it's an invitation. Yes. And, and it's a calming, right? It's a, yeah. it's, it's like, fear not like calm down because, because I I've got, got this. I love yeah. that. I love that connection. Yeah. That's I think a lot of things in scripture that we think are commands are more of an invitation to just trust yeah. and to realize that, he's got it. And so I, it's an invitation. You are being invited if you're listening mm -hmm. to this and you're listening to a number of these and you're listening to these guests and you're going, I got this idea. I really want to go for it. Mm -hmm. But, 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 but I just say, listen to the invitation. Mm -hmm. And you're you being know, invited into a grand adventure mm -hmm. to learn, to grow, to discover, to share. Mm -hmm. Yep what you've been given to make the world a better place. Um, mm -hmm. And it is an art form. It and is. You have, that's why you call it the art of invitation. It's an art, you know, it takes practice and it takes, you don't become an artist overnight. You have to get the canvas out and you have to make some brush strokes and, or get the keyboard out and make some music um, in your, in terms of what you're doing, you have to get out and have some conversations and, learn from that and have a wise teacher like Debbie Tyke to help you learn some skills that maybe you've never been taught and it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay that you've never been taught it, but let's, let's learn it now. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, thank you for who you are and for taking the risk and making the investment 
And I look forward to seeing what's going to happen as you keep expanding the art of invitation. Um, so much. Before we hang up here, I want to give you the last word. And I want you to tell the audience where they can find out more about the art of invitation and more about what Debbie Tyke is up to. Well, um, thank you for that. So I have a website and it is www.artofinvitation.org. And um, also on that, then our links to videos. So the pathway to learn the art of invitation is very simple and you actually can do it by yourself. You don't need a coach. You don't need a teacher. Um, I am available for support. If say, for example, you want to um, try to develop this in a church setting or a retreat or a conference, or you, you know, you would like to try to pilot this yourself in a with uh, people. Maybe you have access to a jail ministry and you would like to use the art of invitation in a jail ministry or um, you know, anything I've thought about our, we have a neighboring church that has a, a lot of um, uh, people that come to learn second language and they're always wanting to know about how to interact with the culture. I think it would be great for that. There's so many applications yeah. of this. Um, anywhere where you think people want to like work on their people skills and it's kind of fun. I'm going to say it's a fun, light thing to do. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's not, it's not intense. Okay. So the videos, there's a set of videos on the website. You'll look under the tab. It'll say videos. And there are eight chapters that seems long, but each of the chapters are pretty short. The videos are only two or three minutes a piece. And so okay. what you do is you get a, you get a guidebook, um, they're available on Amazon, or you can, if you want both numbers, you know, try to get a hold of me. And, um, on the website is a contact form, um, or Debbie at artofinvitation.org also as my email address. And, um, so what you do is you will, uh, do watch a video and then there's a workbook page that goes with it. And so there are four days per week. I, I think like churches that want to do this during Lent, you know, it could be a Lenten's exercise. There's so many applications. So um, anyway, you know, you can do it on your own. You don't have to do it with a group, form your own group, you know? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, yeah. Debbie, for who just amazing that we talked about this years ago when it was still kind of um, taking form in your head and your heart and to see what you've done so far is amazing. And, Nothing but the best for you and Mark uh, in this transition time and in your work, Art of in Invitation. Um, thank you again today for joining us. One last word. What do you want to what do you want to share as we go on I wanna, the podcast? I want to say thank you, uh, Jeff Meyer. You're awesome. Um, I appreciate your program. Uh, the the uh, you know, just the, the people that you're having on, the ideas that you're generating, the encouragement that you're giving for people like me. And um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a real blessing to be here. And uh, I, I, I just thank you. Awesome. I look forward to our online happy hour. Getting that <laughs> on the calendar. Until then, you have a great day, all right? All right. Blessings all right. to you, Bye -bye. my friend. Bye-bye. Hey, fellow dreamer, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all of the show notes and links. And when you're ready to move from overthinking about your dream to actually taking action on it, 
consider joining the Dream Accelerator community. Our clients are getting crystal clear on their dream with our Dream Generator Vivid Description 5-Step Process. They're discovering the truth about fear and how to use it as fuel to take courageous steps in the right direction. And most importantly, they are walking a clear path forward because they have made an investment in themselves to confidently realize their dreams. The results are so inspiring. Having coaching and companions on the dream journey is crucial. Remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.